Hi, my name is Kara on media staff, and you're listening to week one of the False Creek podcast. The speaker for week one was Curtis Zachary, and we had 4,705 students in attendance. Enjoy. I have this uh, incredible mixture of feelings during this moment. I am so excited to jump into the word with you tonight, but also feeling that little bit of sadness that uh, we're going to have to go our separate ways tomorrow. I feel like this is a part of my family. I really feel like this week has connected me deeply to so many of you, and I'm so thankful for the chance to be a part of this family. And speaking of family, I've had so many conversations with you guys today, and many of you have uh, noted that the story that I told about my son yesterday was kind of connecting with your heart, but then you also followed it up with like, what's the dude look like, right? And so I realized I hadn't shown you guys any pictures of my family, so I wanted to throw a picture up here. I don't know if they have one. This is the dude with the bucket and shovel right here. That's Noah right there. So Noah is five, and he is incredible. And then you could show the next one here. That's Micah. Micah is my one-year-old, and he is so much fun. And that's my beautiful wife, Monique. We've been married 11 years. And uh, like I said, I feel like I'm a part of your family. I wanted to share all of my family with you guys. That's uh, the crew. And man, I, I am just so thankful for all that God has been showing us this week, it has been incredible to hear the stories of how God is revealing himself to so many of us in the midst of searching in this mystery of the gospel. We started out at the beginning of this week saying there is indeed so many questions, so much mystery when it comes to understanding what is the gospel. But the thing that we knew for sure is at the center of all of this, there is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus, who we thought we better pursue through following the thread in this mystery. And we've night by night come here and asked the question, what does it mean for us to know who Jesus is in our lives on earth right now. That has been our goal, and we want to finish tonight doing the exact same thing. I want to wrap up our time together talking about this big reveal that comes at the center of this mystery, understanding that Jesus, who we've been following through this mystery, this thread that has been woven, has created and provided the very way to find freedom that we've been longing for. The theme verse that we had is in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, talking about the mystery of the gospel. And the same guy who wrote that theme verse named Paul is going to be the guy who we'll be reading from tonight as well. We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this group of people that Paul was writing to really were very similar to us in 2019 here in America. This group of people were living in a culture 
where there were all types of temptations, all types of ways of thinking that were twisted up and mixing up the ideas about who God is and what that means for their lives. These people way back then that Paul was talking to were similar to us in that there were words shared about God, but the way that culture and the way that life looked around them really had a lot of things kind of backward, and there were a lot of dark places that were uh, existing around where they were living. So Paul was sending a message to the Christian people, to the people who were seeking to follow Jesus. And Paul was saying, this is what our life should be together as a people of God, seeking to figure out how to follow Jesus as Savior. So we're going to jump in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, and we're going to see what this big reveal really looks like. It says this, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. There are a lot of words in that verse that are running together. I want to stop for a second and tell you what he's talking about. Paul is saying, Jesus came and Jesus died. And when he died, those that he came to die for, their old self died when Jesus died. Jesus was raised, and guess what? We were raised with him. Our new life begins because of the death of Christ. So when Jesus did his work, he did a work in us. And because he did a work in us, our lives are no longer just simply lived for ourselves. We are now living so that we could share the love of Christ with others. One of the things that I quickly realized when I moved from California to Tennessee is that sometimes thunderstorms can be pretty crazy, right? But what I realized even more deeply was Tennessee's kind of crazy, but Oklahoma is nuts, right? <laughs> like sometimes the wind and the rain and the tornadoes, man, like, I lived in California, and I actually was in an earthquake one time. And I'll tell you this, I'll take an earthquake over a tornado any day. I'm telling y'all. But this is the thing I know about tornadoes. When tornadoes and thunderstorms start coming, there's wind and there's rain. And of course, when it comes to any sort of storm, we hear the beautiful thunder that comes as a result of the lightning. Now, I'm not a scientist. I never proclaimed to be a super intelligent dude. But I do remember paying attention in school long enough to know this. We get thunder because lightning breaks into our atmosphere. And when lightning breaks into our atmosphere, the resulting effect is the sound that we call thunder. So lightning 
which breaks into the atmosphere. It breaks a plane, and it does its work. And when it comes through, the result that we hear is thunder. And you know what I began to realize? I began to realize that this love of Christ that controls our hearts is like lightning that breaks into our story. We think about how in Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus had all equality with God. But for our sake, for our sin, he broke into our story, took on the form of human flesh, and he suffered to the point of death, even death on a cross, so that we might live. Jesus breaks in like lightning, and he changes everything. And you know what's amazing? The lightning that breaks into our hearts and changes our story results in the thunder of God's love pouring out from our lives into the world. So he controls our hearts when he breaks into our story. And the way that we begin to live is simply different. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. The lightning breaks into our story and the thunder that begins to roll is the joy that is in our lives that changes who we are. It is the forgiveness that we extend to other people because we realize what we've been forgiven from. It's the grace that we give others. It's the kindness and the way that we love others, not because we're perfect, but because he's perfect. That's the lightning and the love of Christ. Now, there's a three-word phrase that's about to come in this next verse. And I'm telling you right now, this three-word phrase is going to be the mantra. It's going to be the thing that all of us together, as we leave Falls Creek, are reciting to ourselves to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. It's this three-word phrase that's going to change everything. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, look at what it says. From now on. Everybody say that with me. From now on. One more time, really loud. From now on. This three-word phrase is going to be the game changer. Because what we've said is Jesus is breaking into our story. He's broken into our hearts. The lightning has moved, and the thunder is now changing the way that we live. And from now on, life is different. From now on, the game has changed. From now on, we refuse to allow the past to hold us captive. We refuse to allow shame and guilt and all of the things that come with our old life to hold us back from now on things are changing. And this is what the verse says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What this is saying is from now on, our outside does not determine our identity, our worth, or our value. And it doesn't have to do with the way that we look. It doesn't have to do with the way that we've lived. Everything that is true about us comes from the inside first because Christ has changed everything from now on. Now, some of us might be going, wait a minute, I hear what you're saying. 
I hear what you're saying. This whole idea of from now on sounds really good. I look in the Bible and I see how this is laid out for me, but you don't understand. I have a reputation back home. And my reputation is not really a reputation that I'm very proud of. Yes, I believe that God is real, and I even believe that God is wanting me to, to hear him and to, to follow, me and follow him. I know that God is changing my life, but you don't understand what I've done in the past. The beauty of what Paul is writing here is to help us to understand that even though we look like on the outside that nothing has changed, inside everything has changed. You guys ever see a computer before, right? You guys know what a computer is, right? Everybody's messed with a computer. Maybe you have a computer. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have one at school, right? But everybody knows what a computer is, right? There are two main components or two main working parts to a computer. The first one is hardware, right? The second one is what? Software. The hardware is the outside of a computer. You got the screen, you got the keyboard, sometimes you got the old school ones with the tower, right? Some of them still have a CD drive. Some of y'all are like, what's a CD? I don't even know what that is, right? Don't even worry about it, it's old school. You got these computers. And computers have hardware, which are parts that you can touch. Parts that are tangible, they're physical things. You get a crack in your screen, you can fix the screen. Your key pops off, the little uh, A key pops off of your keyboard, you get a new A key, right? You can fix the hardware when you see that the hardware is broken. So the hardware can be repaired and the hardware is real tangible. It's kind of real simple to think about how it works. If it's broken, it's not gonna work. If it's not broken, it's going to be fine, right? You just see it, and it is what it is. Software is a little bit different. Software is like what makes the brains of the computer work the way that it does, right? Anybody ever get a virus on your computer before? You ever seen this before? You ever heard of this? When you get a virus on your computer, it is awful because the way the computer is supposed to work will not work that way when it is infected with a virus because the virus infects the software the software is telling the hardware what to do so even if the hardware looks perfect on the outside if the software is messed up if the way that the computer thinks is not working it is infected with a virus then perfectly good hardware will not do what it's supposed to do you see how that works what Paul is trying to tell us is that even though you and I look in the mirror when we go home and we go, yeah, I know I met Jesus, but I see myself and I look exactly the same as I did before. What he's trying to tell us is, now because of the work of Christ, because the lightning broke into our story, the outside may look different, but guess what? The software, the way that our hearts work, the infection of sin that has been filling our lives has been made new by Jesus Christ. So the way that the hardware works is now different, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. The software has been made new. 
You got a new software because Jesus has died to pay for the virus of sin that has infected us. And this right here, if you want further confirmation, is how Paul reinforces this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and behold, the new has come. Everybody say brand new. Now let me ask you a question. Some of y'all have a cell phone. Some of y'all really want a cell phone. Let's just say you were going to buy a cell phone. And somebody said, I'll sell you a cell phone. And you say, all right, cool, I want to buy your cell phone. And they say, all right, well, I have two cell phones you can buy. And you say, okay, cool, I'm interested. What are your cell phones? They say to you, I have a cell phone that is refurbished. You know what that word means? Refurbished is like to take something and to make it like it's new again. So refurbished is like they clean it up real good. They might interchange a couple of the parts. Like they might fix the screen or like take off the back and give you a different back. But the reality is, even though it looks like new, it's not what? It's not new, right? So the person says, I have two phones. One is refurbished, so it is like new. Then he says, I also have another one that is brand new. And you say, okay, that's cool. Well, what are the prices? And the guy says, well, they're exactly the same price. <laughs> Which one are you going to buy? Everybody say, duh. <laughs> if it's the exact same price for a phone that looks like new or a phone that is brand new, for the same price, I want the one that's brand new, out of the box. You ever see like one of those, you take the plastic off the top, right? And it just feels so good, right? Plug it in for the first time, no fingerprints, nobody's dirty mitts have been hanging on to this thing. You got a brand new phone. And you know what I've realized? I've realized for so long what I thought was happening when we come to Christ is that he just kind of refurbishes us. He kind of like makes us like new. He cleans us up and he kind of washes us off and he takes some of the old parts and he puts in some new parts and even though we're cleaned up, we're still kind of the same. Guess what? The Bible tells me I'm not just cleaned up and washed off. If anyone meets Jesus, they are brand new. The old is gone, fresh out of the box. No scratches, take the sticker off new. This is what God is saying. Why is this important? Because some of us feel like there is no way that I can continue on in my life with the story that God has allowed me to see in the past. I feel like the ways that I've talked to people, the ways that I've hurt people, the things that I've done in secret that nobody knows about. Some of us have been wrestling with this. Some of us have been this week saying, I know that I'm supposed to go down to the front. I know that I'm supposed to respond to God, but I just don't know if he will take me the way that I am. Friends, I'm telling you right now, God is not interested in just polishing you off. He gives you a new identity, a new life, not just from the outside, but from the inside. He resets everything. This is good news. Then he goes on to say in verse 18 and 19 that the people 
who experience this newness of life in Christ, they get a job. Did you know that you came here and you got a job? For some of y'all who met Jesus this week, for some of you guys who have been walking with Jesus for some time, no matter how long it is, did you know that you got a job? Your job description is explained right here in these next two verses. This is what it says. It says all of this, this newness, this reset, the brand new life that you have, it says all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now, some of you guys are going, man, that sounds cool. I got no idea what that means, right? Reconciling. Well, let me tell you your title first before we jump into that. You, if you follow Jesus, are now a minister of reconciliation. You can put that on your business card right there. That sounds kind of good. I'm a minister of reconciliation. Nice to meet you. That's your title. Every single one of you. Now that it sounds fancy and really good, what is it, right? A minister of reconciliation. Well, first of all, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation is a very important word when it comes to the Bible. This word is all throughout the story from Genesis to Revelation. And reconciliation means that there is fixing happening. Like if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody, maybe you have a best friend or uh, maybe there's a parent or whatever and your relationship kind of goes sideways and you kind of aren't really vibing together, you're kind of at odds and you're not really on the same page, you need to reconcile. That means you need to fix your relationship. What is broken needs to be repaired. Reconciliation means that things are fixed. They are repaired. They are brought back together. So what it's saying is this. Because God, through Jesus, has reconciled us back to God. Do you remember we talked about how because of our sin, we are separated from God. But because of Jesus, our relationship with God is repaired. That is reconciliation. But because he fixed our relationship, our job now is to help fix the relationship of other people with God too. Did you know your job, if you follow Jesus, is to invite people into the story of God so that they, who are in a broken relationship with God, can have their relationship fixed? You are a minister of reconciliation. You are introducing people to the fixer. God is the fixer. But not only do we have the job of fixing uh, the relationship between people and God, we're inviting people to say, come and see, Jesus has changed my life. I want him to change your life too. And when we do that, we invite these people into a relationship with the fixer. But not only are we ministers of reconciliation between man and God, guess what else God calls us to? He calls us to be fixers or reconcilers in relationship between 
people and other people. So what that means is our lives begin to look different because now through the love of Christ, people who maybe don't naturally belong together because they think differently or they live differently or they look differently or they have different amounts of money where in the past maybe they would be separated because of these outside things. We've said God has done something new on our inside and we find ourselves reaching out and becoming friends with those who maybe we wouldn't normally be friends with. Not because all of a sudden we're just super cool and super chill and super awesome because of our nobility, but no, because of the power of God in our heart. He gives us love for others who maybe we wouldn't normally have love for. And through his power, by his spirit, we begin praying for people who we used to judge. We begin asking God to save people who we used to make fun of because God has rescued us. We're asking God to rescue them and we want to be ministers of fixing between other people as well. That's good news. That's the power of God that breaks in to our hearts. And then he says this in verse 20. Therefore, I had an English teacher who used to always point this out. And I don't know if you've heard this at all, but whenever you're reading and you see this word, therefore, she used to say, you have to ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Some of y'all had the same exact English teacher. That's crazy. What is the therefore, therefore? The reason we ask that question, especially when we read the Bible, is sometimes we like to parachute into a Bible verse and we don't read what happened before it and what happens after it. And then we just think, oh, I know what that means. And we just start saying stuff, right? But the word therefore is really important because what it tells us is something just happened, now this happens. And check out what it says. We just went through what the before was. We just read therefore and look at what it says. You are ambassadors for Christ. Making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be fixed to God, reconciled to God. Then look at this. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Let me take this really slowly. This whole idea that now, therefore, after what we just read about the beautiful love breaking into our story, now our lives are different. And we are something called ambassadors. We are carriers of the message of Christ. And the thing that we need to know to be true is that God is writing this story. He doesn't leave us alone to figure out how to do this. He is the one who is writing the story, and we need to remain connected to him. I want you to imagine with me, use your imaginative minds, and think about there being a painter standing before you. Imagine there was this painter, and the painter was looking at this blank 
canvas, and you got your imagination of the painter. I know when I think of a painter, he always has a beret on. I don't know why. He's, just, he's got a beret on, so your painter may look different. But my, my painter's got a beret on. He's looking at this blank canvas. He's got this palette full of paints. He's got this paintbrush, and he's looking at this canvas. And as you watch an artist prepare to paint a painting, you're wondering, what is that artist thinking? What is he going to allow to unfold on this empty canvas? All of the possibility in the world is before him. The artist is the one who is going to make sure that this art is beautiful. And so we begin to watch the artist paint his painting. And if you've ever watched an artist paint... It's really interesting because sometimes you're watching the artist paint and they're putting lines and colors and squiggles in places that you're like, man, I don't really think that that goes where you think that goes, right? Because you're looking at the artist painting his painting and as he is doing his painting, he has the idea of where he is going. We who are watching are saying, I don't see what it is that you're trying to do. It feels like that doesn't really make sense. We're watching this artist who in his mind knows what he wants to make, but as we're watching, we are confused because sometimes it doesn't really make sense. But as we begin to watch the painter paint, we begin to see things take shape. And maybe on this canvas, we see one spot and we go, wow, that's beautiful. I see that. I see where this is going. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I see that right there. And we begin to get hope that maybe the painting is going to turn out the way that he wants. Now, this is what's crazy. If we had the ability to climb into the mind of the painter, we would be able to see what the painter is painting, what the artist is allowing to flow out on the canvas. But our job as the observers is to just sit and to wait and to watch and to trust that the artist knows what he is doing and we need to allow the painting to unfold before him. Many of us are thinking about going back home, and we're wondering if it's possible with the mystery of going back to a place that we know hasn't changed since we left a few days ago. And we're saying, can it be true that all of these things that I'm learning here at camp, can it be true that all these things that are happening in my heart, can it be true that I can take them home and still live them out there? How can this be possible? Some of us are going to get home and we're going to start to look at things and we're going to see that things start to feel the same. And we're going to start to think back to times where all of these people were together in a room and we were singing and we were worshiping. And we're going to start to think back to the times that we were in our cabins and we were jumping in the word and people were praying for us. And we're going to start to think back and go, man, is it only good way back there? And what I need to tell you is this. God is painting a picture with your life. He is the great artist. 
And what it looks like may be confusing right now, but what you need to do is trust that the artist knows better than we do, and we need to allow him to paint the picture. Our job is to be faithful and trust that the love of God, which is broken into our story, is real and is true, and we are connected to the source of life, and we begin to make fruit, and the way that we interact with our old friends begins to change, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. In the very end of this verse, I love that he ends with this idea. It says, for our sake... For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know what this means? Jesus who was sinless. Jesus who did no wrong. Jesus who was completely obedient to his father. Jesus who took on himself the sin of the world, suffered on a cross, was beaten and bloodied on our behalf so that we might live. He became sin. And when he died, sin died with him. And when he rose, he defeated sin and death. And he did this so that we might become righteous. Do you know what righteous means? Righteous means that you are clothed or covered with perfection. What that means is you and I who are sinful, you and I who are messed up, you and I who are only human and know that there is no way that we could be perfect on earth, you and I who are hoping that there would be some way that we could fix our relationship with God, you and I who feel guilt and shame because of our past, you and I who are hurting and lonely, you and I who feel like the world is against us, you and I are hoping for some sort of of rescue. And what Jesus has done is he has clothed us through dying on the cross with righteousness so that when God looks at us, he no longer sees us in our sin. He sees the righteousness, the perfection, the goodness of Jesus because of what he's done. And what that means is tonight, if you've been wrestling with this idea that I'm not good enough to be saved. God is telling you through his word that the righteousness, the perfection that you're longing for, will never come from your work. It will only come from confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and then he will make you brand new. Let me pray for us tonight. Let's all stand together, and let's give this time to God. God, I'm so thankful that the words that we read tonight and the ideas that we shared together are not just words and ideas that just make us feel better. I'm thankful that these are not just words and ideas that are encouraging to us, but what we've shared tonight 
is the truth of God's power that salvation comes through this gospel. What we have said is a mystery has now been solved. The solving of the mystery is this. The gospel that Paul is talking about, this message that we preach, is the power of salvation. God, tonight, some of us know that it is because you can make us new that we need to respond. God, some of us, quite honestly, have been wrestling all week with the idea that I am not good enough to be saved. But tonight, God, I know that some of my friends in this room finally realize that it is time to let go of my belief that me hanging on to this world and my ideas will be best, but to finally trust and follow you and allow you, God, to put righteousness on us, to make us brand new, to break into our hearts like lightning. Tonight, I know, God, that there are some for the first time that want to come and experience your forgiveness your wholeness, your goodness. And I pray, God, you would give us the confidence and the boldness to do this. God, it's our last night together, and I know so many of us don't want to go home with the mystery of where we stand with you. I pray that you would give us the courage. If you are stirring in our hearts right now, God, give my friends the courage to say yes to you for the first time, to come and to ask you to be Lord and to be Savior because of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. Because of that reality, we can find new life. Jesus, thank you for your rescue. Holy Spirit, lead us right now. Thanks for listening.